Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls. For more breakdowns on the Pelicans, including interviews with coaches, journalists, and opposing experts, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. What's up, Pels fans? Welcome to our post-Super Bowl episode of The Bird Calls. I'm your host, Preston Ellis, and today, in Kevin's absence, we have from The Advocate, Mr. Christian Bowell. Thank you for joining us, sir. Yeah, you guys, how are you all? Oh, we're doing good. Ali, how are you doing, sir? Doing great, man. Happy first day of, what was it, Nicole Mirich's first shoot-around, so it's a good day. <laughs> You're jumping 10 minutes ahead already, Ali. I should have <laughs> expected that. Uh, first of all, Christian, what was your reaction to the game last night? Um, well, um, I'm just glad the Pelicans didn't want to make a big move. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. During it, so that was good. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I saw the Liggins news come out, I, got, I would think about an hour before the game started. I was like, okay, this is, you know, this starting to circulate. This might be it for the night. The Pelicans might be, uh, you know, tuck it in at that point. But after no moves, I was cool with it. Let's roll with that. That, that works with me on Super Bowl Sunday. And you guys, Christian Boutwell writes for The Advocate, of course. You can follow him at underscore C Boutwell. That's with two L's. And also joining us is our editor-in-chief at thebirdrights.com and Justin Timberlake's biggest fan, Mr. Ali Cosell. Ali, how'd you like that halftime show? Man, that was just the greatest thing ever. <laughs> I, <laughs> I watched and it was fine. I was just missing Janet Jackson. Oh, good grief. Here we go. Um, I was one of those things. I... I feel like so underwhelmed by halftime performances now that we've had people, you know, jumping out of the sky and Bruno Mars playing 18 instruments. I, I almost expected Justin Timberlake to like set himself on fire and float off into the heavens or something. Th these things have gotten so grandiose lately, but I thought he did a terrific job. But anyway, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the Pelicans, Christian. And let's dive in uh, before we get to these games. Christian, like you said, it was announced yesterday, uh, right before the Super Bowl, that DeAndre Liggins is coming back on a two-year contract. You wrote about it on The Advocate. And much in the mold of the Jordan Crawford deal signed last season, I'm sure the second year will be, you know, guaranteed with a partial guaranteed date over the summer, obviously, with this year already being fully guaranteed. And many of us thought that Dell was perhaps keeping those two spots vacated by Jameer and Tony Allen open for a trade. Were you surprised uh, he just went ahead and filled it five days before the deadline? Um, not really. I think the Pelicans clearly, I mean, they have so many guards, first of all, 
and they, but they don't have too many of them that can you know provide the Tony Allen role that they wanted from Tony when he was here. Um, it's you know to be that defender. So I think they might start using Liggins a little more than you see, especially down the the end of the season. Once the trade deadline comes, you know Liggins around, they can throw him at all these guards in the Western Conference when they have these big games like the Jazz. You know you can stick them on Donovan Mitchell for a bit, and you know test things out like that, so they can figure out and see what's going to work for him with so many guards that they have. You know now with Cousins out, they've got to figure out the different pieces that they can use. And so we'll see. I don't know how it's going to go, but um, yeah, getting him surely, you know, can fill a little gap there before, you know, trade deadline and as the season closes. And Christian's going to make this really easy for me. I took this directly from his article on The Advocate. 29 years old, played in four games during his 20-day stint. Of course, that's two 10-day contracts. And averaged 4.3 points in 12.8 minutes per game. If you guys think I did research on that, I didn't. I just stole it from Christian. Ali, uh, what was your reaction? <laughs> Obviously, you've got that Oak 4 10-day that can still be made use of. If the Pelicans want to make a trade, of course, they can offload Alexis Jensa to get another spot. Uh, I, I know just from our Twitter conversations, you were not surprised they brought back Liggins uh how much do you expect him to play going forward I'm with Christian I think that it was uh, kind of expected it's a good thing we cannot expect Solomon Hill to come back and be, be that you know jump right into that role of being a defensive force so as we've seen Drew Holiday is getting tired guys he's being asked to play you know high 30s every night on offense and defense guarding the best player on the opponent's team and he looked really worn down to me you could see a little bit inkling of it against OKC and then Definitely against Minnesota. I mean, all of a sudden here in February, it's been just two games, but he's down to averaging now 10 points a game uh, over the past two. And you can really see it. He's just not getting that separation. His jumper's looking off. And I think you've got to attribute to fatigue. So he definitely needs somebody to spell him on the defensive end. I think Liggins is a perfect candidate. When we played uh, the Houston Rockets uh, a week, week and a half ago, Liggins came in, provided, you know, good, almost 20 minutes, uh, and, and he even knocked down a couple threes, but he was having James Harden pretty well in that game. And that's all the Pelicans need uh, is just somebody come in off the bench, you know, maybe for 15 minutes a game. And Liggins is just the ideal candidate. Uh, we obviously, as Christian said, didn't get it from Tony Allen, but you need it from somebody. And I think Liggins was a smart move by them simply because they need that type of uh, guy on the team. Christian, what were you trying to say there? Yeah, um, that with the, you know, I'm probably jumping ahead here, but I'm just going to go with it. But with Drew, um, when he's on defense, you know, guarding the best guard that they had, the the way the Pelicans offense is shaped, of course, is around those bigs when Cousins was in and Davis. But with Miritich, which I'm also probably jumping ahead here, but with him, it's going to spread defenses out even more, which as the Pelicans want can create driving lanes, you know, so they can get near the rim and then kick it to these shooters. And that's what Drew's best at is, you know, he can beat you off the dribble and then get to the rim. So if he's worn down on defense, they're going to lose some of that element on offense. So for him to be able to be spelled a little bit by Liggins can really help them, you know, on the other end. That's how I see it, you know, just from a offensive to defensive perspective, um, that can help Drew a lot if he just has a couple breaks here and there. Yeah, and that was the perfect segue. Thank you for that, Christian, because we are diving right into Nikola Meritich. And uh, I'll go to Ali because we got a bit of Christian's take on this. But, Ali, whenever you get a new player, you expect some kind of learning curve, and you always hope somebody's going to be able to jump in and contribute immediately. But we saw just last season with DeMarcus Cousins coming into the fold, he and Anthony Davis uh, had chemistry pretty much right off the bat. But there were some other players that had to play off them that got a bit confused, turnover prone. And I'm speaking, of course, of Drew Holiday. But with Meritich in the lineup, it, it seemed like everything was all 
Paul Gravy. And of course, he was 18 and 12 in 35 minutes on six of 13, four steals, two assists. I'm not sure what he's averaging on the year minutes per game wise uh, with the Bulls. I think it was right around 25. And he jumped right on in 35 minutes in his first game. And uh, Alvin Gentry said after the fact, I don't think it's going to take that long. Our offense is very similar to what they do in Chicago with the dribble handoffs and trying to free up shooters with dribble penetration. Merit to shed. Yes, it's it's similar. I was playing with Rondo in Chicago. I know how he plays a lot of transition, a lot of simple plays, try to play with pace. I felt comfortable. I felt great. Obviously, we expected him to space the floor. But did you expect him to be this comfortable this quickly? No, I don't think anybody could have. But it just goes to show just how talented this guy really is. Um, he's got all the skills pressing um, for a 6'10 guy. He, he can, I mean, he's, he's Ryan Anderson on acid for me. This guy's a thousand <laughs> times better. He, he, you know, for him to be able to pick up, and what you noticed with him, the biggest thing for me was the way he could just read both on both ends of the floor, what was going on and where the spaces was for him to attack, where to be, all that type of stuff. So with a guy as smart as he is, and the fact that he's not a high usage guy. I remember last year when they added DeMarcus Cousins, the whole big deal was the fact that DeMarcus is suddenly going to soak up, you know, 30 plus percent of the usage. And uh, you don't have that with Meritage. He's just simply fitting into the system as to where with Boogie, you had to build an entire system around this guy. So, no, I'm not that surprised that Meritage was able to adjust as quickly. And so the and that's great. That is exactly what the Pelicans need because they've got no time, no time to waste, no 10, 15 games of adjustment period. Because uh, what is it? One loss separates five teams in the Western Conference, and Utah Jazz are coming up strong as a six team uh, with a, on a five game winning streak. So, yeah, it, it's it's great news. And uh, I don't know. I think Nicole Merritt is probably the best signing that Dell Demps could have landed in terms of impact. And that's what the Pelicans needed. They need to bring in somebody that can give those 20 points a game and help on the rebounding uh, or on the boards, excuse me, as well as just, you know, being an all around player next to Anthony Davis. So soaking up big men. So great move. And I'm looking for nothing but, you know, him to have continued success. Christian, before I ask you about the, the Timberwolves matchup, I just want to get a, a bit more on your take on Nikola Meritich. Obviously, it was a disappointing loss, but uh, he was he was the bright spot of the game. Uh, did you expect, like, there was one possession I'm, I'm specifically thinking about where he had two to three offensive rebound, just pounded a guy right up against the glass and ended up uh, drawing a foul and going to the free throw line. Did you expect his game to be, to be so all around as it was, like Ali described, Ryan Anderson on acid? I think I think yes, in parts. Um, not the way it looked the other night, but I think with with some preparation, uh, it'll look even better. Because I mean, you, if you watch him play, and that's what I was doing pretty much all of the Minnesota game was just seeing how he would fit in without knowing, without having to practice or anything, just seeing how he would look with the Pelicans. Because they, you know, normally they like to just when they're running on the floor on offense, they'll they'll kind of just freelance into their offense. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes they'll just go transition and just play. And um, so when you saw he and Anthony Davis playing together. And you know how it would fit, and you you mentioned some of those offensive rebounds. He just kind of gets after it, and he saw once double teams go toward Davis, he's like, "Oh, I'm wide open, so why not just stand here and get ready and get set?" And uh, he, you know, he had a bunch of attempts just from the wing that are just pretty wide open, you know, and he even passed some up. Alvin Gentry said after the game that he passed away some shots that he should have taken or that they want him to take. So those chances are going to be there for him. That's his role. I mean, space the floor, give Davis some space, alleviate him on the defensive end he'll get after rebounds and he's a hustle guy too. As you saw, he'll go in there, he'll get rebounds and he's pretty smart. I mean, he'll swing the ball when he needs to, he'll shoot it when he thinks he has time and space. And so I think that's truly going to help the Pelicans from just a flow perspective, you know, how they get into their offenses, 
how their defenses, you know, work against other teams. And so clearly it's going to help them. All right, let's focus on the Wolves. I'll start with Ali. Um, Ali's going to focus on the defensive side of things. I often uh, gravitate towards the offensive side of things because that's just who we are. And uh, the Pelicans were 41.5% from the field, 24% from three-point range. This after following a monstrous December where the Pelicans were number one in the NBA in three-point shooting at just over 43%. In January, they fell back down to 32%. And the shooting woes continue. And granted, it was the second night of a back-to-back. And uh, as you guys mentioned previously, Drew Holiday was tired from locking down guys like Jimmy Butler and Paul George. It's a, it's a lot to ask him to carry the offensive load as well. Uh, he was 3 of 13 from the night, and Ian Clark was likewise 4 of 12 on the night. But the story, is, I'm, as I'm going to show it to Ali, uh, or, or pass along to Ali, I should say, was, was the defense. They allowed 118 points, 51% uh, from the field, and 48% from three-point range. Ali, was this fatigue? Where was the energy lacking, and how did this fall apart uh, so quickly? Uh, I don't know if we mentioned this earlier, but they got out to a 22-6 lead right right out of the gun. What went wrong, Ali? Yeah, it, it was everything that had to do with that uh, first quarter, Preston, as you mentioned. They jumped out to, what was it, an 8-0-9-0 run to start the game, and then they were up by... 18, you know, six, seven minutes in the game. And that, that's really what it was. Minnesota ended up scoring 37 points in that first quarter. And uh, the Pelicans were fortunate they got 29 to kind of still stay within striking distance. But that set the tone. They got way too many easy lay-ins with their first couple of possessions where it was just a matter or a lack of effort, excuse me, on the Pelicans part where, you know, Dante Cunningham would get burned off the perimeter and he just kind of, you know, not even really contest a shot at the rim or AD would be a little bit slow and, rotating over to provide some help defense and you've got to kind of attribute that to the OKC game playing 24 hours later and uh, this Pelicans team is being asked to play shorthanded now since the DeMarcus Cousins injury and of course before that they had been running these uh, big three that's Holiday Cousins and AD roughly 40 minutes a game for you know a decent stretch of games for most of January I believe so all that kind of added up. And I think that's why, you know, fans, I don't like it. Nobody likes it. You don't want to see a player kind of give, not giving it his all at any minute. But you know what? These guys are human. And I think, honestly, AD, Drew, these guys are taxed where they can't provide that nonstop energy for 40 minutes. So they have to find time to kind of coast. And you kind of notice it. I mean, sometimes been in that start of third quarters and it seemed like in that Minnesota game, it was at the first quarter. So it's not an excuse, but yet it's almost understandable. And that's just the way I'm going to look at this, that the Pelicans all of a sudden in that game were very shorthanded. And so it was almost inevitable. Um, But it was great to see them bounce back. That's what I kind of want to focus on. As we've talked about Miritich, great addition. He's going to help moving forward. But you got to think that a few extra bodies, this isn't going to be such a big problem. And the defense had been pressing trending in the right direction. Um, I want to say over like the last 15, 20 games, they've been in the top tier. That's within, uh, was it the top 15 teams in the league in uh, terms of uh, defensive efficiency? So they're training in the right way. That Minnesota game is just a tough game for them, playing up there, second night to -to back-to-back, and, you know, with really seven players deep. So don't take away too much from that game moving forward, I think. Uh, Christian, I want to focus on the game and specifically on Dante Cunningham and check the aloe, as Ali just mentioned. Uh, four of the five starters had a plus minus of 15 or more, and that was led by Dante Cunningham at minus 18 in 20 minutes. He had just five points and one rebound, although he did uh, body up on Steven Adams at times, which helped relieve some pressure from Anthony Davis. But uh, just across the board, doesn't seem to be contributing or stepping up in the way that the Pelicans need at this moment. And Cech Diallo, um, his arrow is pointing up at this point. And while 
while he's missing some screens and uh, just some some lack of awareness from situation to situation, he does provide a lot of energy. He's got a great second jump. He's 10 points and 10 rebounds in 15 minutes. Talk about these two players specifically and about as a whole what you thought of the game. Yeah, I think in the past week, the Pelicans have seen their need of, you know, they need bodies to help and relieve Davis when they can, um, especially against the Thunder. The Thunder don't have the biggest four. You know, they don't have somebody else that would really challenge, like say if Cousins was still in there, you know, can, that can challenge him like that. But Steven Adams is a load. And so, you know, that's a lot for Davis have to take on the entire game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you could see the importance of having another big guy in there to help them, you know, and help take some of that pressure off of Davis. And I think that was evident in the Oklahoma City game. Uh, Diallo, you know, he started, he came in, he was just hustling around, trying to get rebounds, you know, and they only had 10 players that game. And so it was him, Cunningham, and Davis down there, you know, having to just fight for themselves. And so when you saw Diallo come in there and uh, go get rebounds, it, re- it really, it seemed to kind of ignite something for the Pelicans. I mean, that third quarter, here's a shameless plug, but the third, qu- third quarter was probably the most, the highest energy third quarter I've seen them play in a long, long time at Oklahoma City. And that carried over to the fourth. And at the end of the game, they won by more than 10 points, you know, so those things carry. And so when you have that much energy and you only have 10 players, you know, that stuff can translate over into the Minnesota game. And then you can come out with a loss there. But yeah, he and Cunningham, Cunningham, for the most part, this season has been underwhelming for him. You know, he's been a body in there, but from a statistical standpoint, he's not been where he needs to be or where they would like him to be. But, you know, both of them, you can, you can see that the Pelicans do need both of them uh, down the stretch. Ali, I have to ask you about Etwan Moore. Four shots, only 12 minutes played. Where was he? And sorry about my Eskimo right now. He's losing his mind. <laughs> I seems like every podcast we get to hear your dog speak. Does he want to answer the question? <laughs> no, I think he's afraid of your voice, Ali. They say that animals can sense uh, evil. So I think he's just proven it for all of us. Well, I must admit that Donald Trump flew over my parents' house about an hour ago. So maybe it's something to do with that. Oh, no. We won't get into politics yeah, each one more playing 12 minutes, that that was that took all of us by surprise. And you know what? I think Alvin Gentry saw something because I saw it too. Each one more was not on his game. He had a couple careless turnovers. He wasn't um, staying in front of his man well. And as to where Ian Clark, as you mentioned earlier, Preston, didn't have a good shooting night. It seemed like his energy was just better. So it just seems like that maybe, again, each one more is another victim of playing in back-to-backs. And so Gentry decided just best to go ahead and rest him up because his shot wasn't on. And before that uh, Oklahoma City Thunder game, Moore has been kind of a mixed bag uh, all through January where he'd have a decent game and follow up with a bad game or two shooting-wise. So you've got to think that maybe he's also getting fatigued. He's a guy that's always played reserve minutes in his, for the most part in his career and saw him being thr- thrust into the starting lineup. Uh, you kind of figured this was going to happen where it was going to catch up with him and he might be hitting that wall. So Hopefully he can bounce back because the Pelicans need all hands on deck moving forward. So let's just hope that 12-minute performance was a complete aberration. As to where it's not going to be that low, uh, he's not going to hit that those type of lows moving forward. Hey, Christian, before we move on to Mecca Okafer, uh, one thing that I just wanted to comment on was Nikola Miritich obviously didn't have a shoot-around. He didn't have a practice. He just watched a bit of film with the coaches. How much better do you think he can get with the Pelicans uh, with a couple of practices under his belt? Yeah, no doubt. I, was, I mentioned that earlier is that, he, you know, in this first game, he didn't have anything. You know, they went to brunch that morning, but that was it. And, you know, how much could brunch actually help you? <laughs> a lot, if you ask me. Right. <laughs> so, like, so, like, they did that. And then he's got, you know, he's just kind of thrown into a game. So that's when – that's why I liked – I was following him so closely during that game is because I wanted to see, you know, it's as raw as it gets for a player. I mean, throw you into a new team and then, you know, you could see how they work and how he plays when he's got – 
no plays, no sets, you know, no knowledge of anything really to lean on. And, that, and he still played a pretty clean game for the most part. You could see a couple of times he'd come down on defense and they'd have a breakdown and he would, he would pat his chest like, oh, that one was on me. Sorry, guys. And so, I mean, you could see, you could see them have to work things out in real time. Um, so, you know, for the most part, like as for this whole season, we've had, you know, more than 40 games to see the team try and work things out. But when you see one player just thrown into a kind of a random mix, then it's good. Then, you know, you can watch that and see it, how it happens. And so that's what I like to follow. And so, you know, tonight against Utah, it's going to be a little bit of the same thing, but he's had more practice now. He said this morning at shoot around, you know, he's got, he knows some of the plays now and, you know, he doesn't have to be as clueless as he was against Minnesota. So we'll see, you know, the Pelicans didn't use all their sets when he was in there the other day. Miritich said that, that, you know, they held off on some plays just because he didn't know where he was supposed to go or where he was supposed to be. And so that was a lot of them just being professional basketball players. And so that can be a fun game to watch. You know, tonight will be a little bit of the same thing. It'll, it'll be, it'll probably be some more, some few, you know, some sets in there, but not as many, you know, not as few as there were in Minnesota. So we'll see. Ollie, last year, whenever the Pelicans acquired Jordan Crawford and DeMarcus Cousins, I remember specifically Kevin offered uh, his home to any incoming Pelicans players who were living in hotels and needed a place to stay. Do you think that offer is open to Meritish? Absolutely. I heard that he wants to bring his family down. I'm sure Kevin's already, you know, taking his place off of Craigslist if there was such a thing or whatever. His parents might be coming to town. He's telling him, you know, stay away. I, I need this for uh, another new Pelicans player. No, I think it's great that um, Nicole Meritage sounds like he's taking right into, uh, you know, moving his whole family down to a new city, one he's unfamiliar with. And he sounds extremely excited by this new opportunity. Uh, as he was telling, I noticed Scott Kushner earlier today on, uh, on in today's shoot around interview that he um, he's very excited by also the fact that he's got that second year already guaranteed. So it's like, he doesn't have to worry about just maybe staying in the city for three months. He can go ahead and change, adapt. And I think that's a big deal, getting your family, your life acclimated in a new city. And that's only going to help him with the team moving forward where he's going to want to be more involved, um, whether it's with activities, with a community, you name it. And that's all good because, honestly, from what I saw, he may be a, a core piece for the Pelicans moving forward. You know, we've always talked about the big three, but the Pelicans have always needed more players to add to that mix. And I think, you know, just from one game, just seeing what this guy brings to the table, he might be somebody that the Pelicans want to consider beyond his uh, current contract. So I think it's just, an as, as Christian said earlier, it's an arrow pointing upwards, and I couldn't agree more. All right. We've got a quote from Meritich. He said, first of all, it was a great privilege for me to play against him, uh, referring to Anthony Davis. Anytime I was guarding him, I was super excited. You know, it was a great matchup for me. Now playing by his side is a dream come true. Seriously, there's a lot of things to learn from him. He's obviously the best big guy in the league. So I'm looking forward to that. Definitely very excited to pair these two together. We've always had a had a dream of Anthony Davis playing at the five with some kind of guy like uh, Ryan Anderson and now Nikola Meritich, the perfect ideal fit as a small ball four next to him. So we'll see what these guys can do a little bit of breaking news the Cavaliers have offered their own first round pick J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson for DeAndre Jordan but it looks like it's not going to go through in addition to that Aaron Gordon has been pulled out of the dunk contest and the Utah Jazz's own Donovan Mitchell will be taking his place we'll get to that in a second let's go to Emeka Okafor and uh, this is also lifted directly from the advocate and Christian Boutwell's article Uh, he's 35 Emeka Okafor I don't know how old Boutwell is I'd assume younger Uh, but he last logged NBA minutes in 2012-13 before he suffered a herniated disc in his neck he averaged 
averaged 12.3 points and 9.9 rebounds in nine NBA seasons. Uh, once again, thank you for that doing that research for me, Christian. Mm-hmm. Christian, how much do you expect uh, Emeka to play in the coming weeks? Obviously, it's only a 10-day contract, so he's got about two or three more games to prove himself. Do you think he, he stays on for the remainder of the year, and what do you expect out of him? Um, I don't know. I think the Pelicans, they need, they need to use him because – the especially what the way Alden Gentry phrased it was that they need to get these big guys off of Anthony Davis when they can um, have Davis not guard you know the big bruisers the Zach Randolphs the Stephen Adams you know those guys of the world have him, have him not guard them if he doesn't have to and I think Okafor can spell him a little bit there but and you know he, he's this is his tenth year in the league he's thirty five he hasn't played since two thousand thirteen um, so you know there's definitely some negatives there you got to find time for when it's right um you can't throw him out there for 40 minutes a game so i don't know it's going to be interesting to see how the pelicans want to use him you know they got an east coast swing coming up uh jazz tonight you know there's of course there's big guys all over so we'll see you know he's got his chance to find it but you know if he can spell him davis for 12 minutes you know that can just give him you know some easiness on defense where he doesn't have to go against his big guys because okafor's been in the league for long enough you know he knows how to defend these big guys that's why they brought him in and he's got a good relationship with the organization so they trust him and so we'll see uh i really don't know how they're going to use him but you know a 35 year old with a lot of experience you can use him somewhere I would definitely expect him to get some minutes against Rudy Gobert to take some of that pounding off Anthony Davis and help with some of that rebounding. I'm not sure if Check Diallo is ready for that matchup yet. Just a bit more on him. He played 26 games this year with the Delaware 87ers, Philadelphia's G League affiliate. He averaged 20 minutes, 7 points, and 8 rebounds per game. That research also done by Christian. Uh, Another story before I get some info on Okafer from you, Ali, is – Obviously, the Pelicans were were poised to bring back Terrence Jones and just moments later uh, reversed and went over to Okafer. What, what's your takeaway from that storyline? My guess is Terrence Jones was somebody that was on their board, obviously, and but he wasn't their top choice or definitely not even maybe even the top 10. So I think that either uh, Mick Okafor had a change of heart or maybe somebody finally reached his agent or whatever, that finally they were able to negotiate with for him to come over on a 10-day contract. So I think Terrence Jones was kind of a standby guy that they were about to push a trigger on because they weren't able to find somebody, you know, better, somebody, uh, you know, just a more favorable choice. And there was some something happened last minute, last second, whatever, as to where he did become available and that, you know, they simply went that route instead. All right, and what do you expect from Okafor going forward? How many minutes per game do you think he's still got enough to to set some hard screens? Uh, it's it's been four yeah. years, Ali. Yeah, I, I swear Christian says, and I agree with him. Who knows what he's going to have or be able to offer moving forward? I'm not optimistic that he's going to be able to give much of anything. Um, I, I watched some highlights on uh, YouTube, and honestly, they're just him dunking open dunks. Um, it's not like he's moving completely slowly, but you can see he's lost a, a step and he's not getting quite as high. Um, and, you know, the NBA moves at least 10 times the speed of uh, the G League in terms of how you've got to react to everything on both offense and defense. And uh, I'm just not sure that he can provide anything adequate for, say, more than, you know, 10 to 12 minutes a game. But you're, you're right. It's going to be interesting to see tonight. If he can get in the game tonight, that means, yes, he maybe does have something to offer. And then the Pelicans brought him in for, like, a specific type of uh, uh, team like the Utah Jazz who have Rudy Gobert. 
as to where, you know, Minnesota's only got um, Carl Anthony Towns, who Anthony Davis has always been able to handle in the past. But as we saw, Stephen Adams really beat him up. We've seen Marcus All, Zach Randolph, you know, a bunch of guys. So that and the fact that Sheik Diallo, you know, I feel like maybe Alvin Gentry went to him first simply because he was the better option. But the fact that he performed adequately, you know, kind of then made up his decision on just sitting Okafor. But let's say Diallo has a bad game, picks up two, three quick fouls. I think then the likelihood of Okafor coming in is a lot higher. So until that happens, I just think Omeka's really a strictly a emergency fill-in, you know, so to speak, whether AD gets in a big foul trouble or he's just getting abused or if the game's a blowout, I feel like that's the type of minutes right now we can probably expect Okafor to see. Um, but until, you know, until that changes, I, you know, I just don't see much happening. He's on a 10-day contract. I think that the Pelicans are definitely going to be looking for somebody else, whether if, if, if trade doesn't happen, they're going to be scanning that trade buyout market big time. And um, I don't know. I don't know, Preston. With Okafor, you can't say anything because, as Christian alluded to, Guy hasn't played since 2013, and for a guy that dealt with a lot of injuries in his 30s, hasn't played a single professional minute in four years, what can you expect? I just, you know, I don't expect much, unfortunately, even though it would be a great story. Uh, he's got, you know, tenure with the Hornets organization in the past. I, you know, you just can't expect it moving forward. So hoping for the best, but, you know, you just can't expect it, I guess. <laughs> Christian, we're 72 hours away from the trade deadline. Uh, give us your number one position of need. And like uh, Ali alluded to, the Pelicans could get into the trade market, but to do that, they'd either have to unload a Jinsa, they could bring somebody in on a minimum contract, like a buyout candidate. Some of the people, some of the names we've been floating around, uh, of course, Kylo Quinn, Nerlens Noel, Mario Hazonia, Deadman, Andrew Bogut, uh, Brooke Lopez, potentially. He hasn't been bought out, and he hasn't really expressed that he wants to be bought out, but there was just that article about him being frustrated after being benched in the the second half a few nights ago but then of course he was great uh in their victory over uh it's leaving me but it was recent anyway vince carter and javel mcgee some other possibilities what is your number one position of need do you think anything happens do you think there's a possibility dante cunningham waves that no trade clause or that agenda somebody takes him for a couple of second round picks i mean i think surely the pelicans are still going to stay fairly aggressive um as thursday comes around um but to see a need, it's got to be, you know, to help Davis when Miritich can't be out there. I mean, you can't have those two out there the entire game. And Diallo, I think it's been a long time coming for the Pelicans to try and exploit his energy. He's 21 years old. He's long. He's rangy. He's, his jumper's not totally broken. You know, he can give you 15 feet, um, you know, and he's going to run the full length of the floor. There were a couple plays in that Oklahoma City game where he just went rim to rim. And the Pelicans like, oh, my gosh, like we got a wide open guy right here who just came out, you know, he came blazing out of nowhere. So, I mean, he told me months ago, he said, uh, yeah, my job, I know what my role is. It's just to come off the bench and, you know, be full of energy. And that's what I'm going to try and do. And he hasn't had very many minutes, you know, since we had that conversation. But, you know, he had a few in the past two games. And so we'll see. I think that's been in the making for a while. But clearly the Pelicans still need, you know, a playmaker. I mean, when you saw Miritich come into the first game the other day, they had he was as raw as ever, as I said earlier, but he was still able to make plays just because of his smarts, you know, how he, his basketball IQ was just off the charts and, you know, you could see him be able to play well with these guys. So that, I mean, the Pelicans clearly, you know, you look at the West, you have Golden State and Houston. Um, those teams are just so good and the Pelicans aren't at that level yet. And so they've got to do what they can to try and patch something together while Cousins is out. So we'll see, but 
you know, I mean, there are needs all over the place. And of course, they're probably going to stay aggressive until Thursday. Ali, the Pelicans are currently two games from falling out of the playoffs altogether. They're also two games out from the fifth seed, so they're right in the thick of the battle right now. Uh, one storyline that we haven't talk, uh, really touched upon, and it's, it's kind of sad, so I was avoiding it, but Greg Monroe obviously opting to choose the Boston Celtics over the New Orleans Pelicans. What, what kind of effect do you think he could have made in a Pelicans uniform this season? It would have been a big one. He would have probably been thrust right in the starting lineup. He would have probably been given roughly around 28 to 32 minutes. He would have taken all the pounding from opposing centers, so AD would have been happy as a lark. And, you know, he would have provided that rebounding the team sorely needs. Because when DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis aren't out there together, the Pelicans are not a good rebounding team. Granted, we've seen signs over the last few games to where the guards are really trying to help on that end of the floor, or I should say in that department, with with, uh, attacking the glass. But for the most part this season, they have not done the job. So it's been strictly up to AD and Boogie. And so when one guy has sat, you know, that's when teams have usually taken advantage um, of the Pelicans line and they've just simply had a lot of second chance points. So Greg Monroe would have been the ideal filler. I feel like he would have come home. Great story. He would, like I said, have that opportunity. But, you know, it's his loss. (laughs) Really, I hope it works out for him in Boston. But you've just got to think that they've got their eight, nine guys that he's going to be more of just a rotation, kind of like a matchup type of player for Brad Stevens moving forward, because you don't want to shake up that foundation too much. They, they, they've really exceeded expectations since the Gordon Hayward injury, you know, leading the Eastern conference uh, ahead of Toronto and Cleveland. So Greg Monroe is going to be sitting and watching a lot, but again, he's going to get paid. He's going to get a chance to get to the final. So maybe that's what he wanted. So good luck to him. Christian, I've got bad news. Um, Right now, the Utah Jazz have won five games in a row, four games uh, of those coming on the road. Those games include the Golden State Warriors, the San Antonio Spurs, and the Toronto Raptors. They're just four games back of the Pelicans. Uh, they, they look like they're coming on strong at exactly the wrong moment for the New Orleans Pelicans. And as always, Donovan Mitchell comes to town, who will now be participating in the dunk contest. Hopefully that has him distracted because he's averaging something like 33 points a game against the Pelicans this season, including that 141 uh, game spurt when Anthony Anthony Davis had to leave early. Uh, what do you expect from tonight's contest? Um, I think you just said it. The Jazz have been kind of a problem for New Orleans, especially Mitchell. I mean, he has just been all over the place. That 41 game kind of cemented it, you know, from the start that the Pelicans are going to have to deal with this guy. Um, and first of all, dunk contest, that's going to be fun. Uh, I can't wait to see Donovan Mitchell go out there and just, you know, have a rookie in there to just throw in the ball around trying to do whatever he can but never mind that but uh yeah so he's been a problem for him the jazz have been a problem for him um so we'll see i mean the pelicans did have had a day break they have some more plays installed with miritich who is likely going to play more minutes tonight than he did the other night so we'll see i mean this is pretty much the first version against a western conference team with miritich you know having some knowledge of what they're going to do that you'll see of these pelicans you know the new pelicans without cousins so you know this is their I also shameless plug tweeted this out a little while ago that this is the Pelicans first uh, Western conference game in the next 20. They only have two until after the all-star break. So um, this one's important. You know, it's a, it's a time for them to really take on a weaker Western conference team at home, which they've struggled with all season. So we'll see, but you know, the jazz, like you said, have caused them problems all year long. Ali, Nikola Meritich was said to be headed to the Jazz, but uh, according to the reports, they were reluctant to give up a first-round pick for him. Any chance he makes them pay tonight? Yeah, I sure hope so. I, I sure hope he shows them what they're missing. Uh, I'm scared to death of tonight's matchup, to be honest with you guys. 
Uh, I wrote that preview article for the most part. And uh, yeah, when I noticed that they had beaten Toronto, the Spurs and uh, the Warriors, and they've done pretty much all their damage uh, on this recent streak on the road where they had been terrible all season, scared to death. They, they're all healthy now. Um, the only solace I'm taking in the fact is that Drew Holiday was very successful in guarding Donovan Mitchell their last time out, uh, right after the new year. I think uh, Drew held him like 24 points, but it was the fact that he only made like six shots or something like that all night. So you've got to hope for a repeat performance there. And then honestly, for the rest of the team just to be off, because they're just lighting it up from three-point range. Uh, Joe Ingles right now is unconscious. So hopefully Nikola Miritich will be unconscious. Hopefully, and I think that's what kind of effort it's going to take is for the Pelicans to score at least 110 points because the Jazz's offense has been rolling. Uh, You know their defense is going to be good. So for the Pelicans have any chance to win tonight, um, they're going to score, have to score, like I said, 110 or more. And you're going to need at least two, three guys to be on their good game, including Miritich, AD, and probably Drew, all three of them. So fingers crossed on this one. I'm not I'm not feeling this one. I think this is upset special, or maybe it's not an upset in a lot of people's minds, but except for New Orleans fans. But, yeah, this is going to be a tough one tonight. And then on Wednesday, Christian, in the Smoothie King Center, we've got the Indiana Pacers, who have likewise won four of five, although their schedule was a bit more manageable with the Memphis Grizzlies, Charlotte Hornets, Orlando Magic, and Philadelphia 76ers filling up those W's for them. Uh, Victor Oladipo, all-star, is going to be coming to town. Uh, What do you expect in this one? Um, I think it's pretty unpredictable, honestly. The Pacers, like you said, are pretty good. Um, But the first time they played, if I remember this right, New Orleans had or they had to come back from, they were down either close to 15 points. I think it was 14, maybe they had to come back and, and, you know, pull out a win out of nothing. And so, um, and they did that the first time. And so now they got another one. Um, But I want to say that was back in November. So we'll see. I mean, this Pacers team can cause anybody problems, especially if they're hitting. So, um, you know, these next two games for New Orleans are just kind of toss ups, but you can see it both ways. You can see two wins here can be, you just beat a Western conference team that's on the surging, and an Eastern Conference team, it's pretty good. Or if you lose both, it could start a little slide. You lose to a, a weaker Western Conference team and an East Co- an East team. So we'll see. You know, I think you can take it either way. But um, that's kind of been the Pelicans' mo all season is you know these unpredictable home games that can start a stretch for you know for better or worse. Yeah, Christian hit it right on the nose. It was November 7th, and the Pacers scored 75 points in the first half. They were up by 14 at halftime. And, of course, the Pelicans were led by 37 from AD and 32 from DeMarcus Cousins, who obviously is not going to be in the lineup. It was a five-point win, uh, but like Christian said, it was a come from behind. What do, what do the Pelicans do here without DeMarcus, uh, Ali? Do you, do you think Miritich and Drew Holiday are enough to power them past the Pacers? First of all, you're going to need to go through Anthony Davis. Um, He's going to have to have a big game. The Pelicans, I believe, are like 19 and 10 anytime he scores over uh, 25 points or more. And that's, you know, that's what it starts with. It starts with AD because he's the most one of the most efficient players in the NBA. I think he's second only to Stephen Curry in uh, points per possession. So you need AD to go ahead and look for his shot. Uh, I felt like that was a problem in the Clipper and Kings losses where he just wasn't a big enough feature of the offense. But in these last two games, he had 34 shots against OKC, 30 against Minnesota. I want him to have all the shots in the world because that way he's attracting all the attention the whole time he's out there. And that'll give opportunities to Drew Holiday and each one more who seem to flourish more when they're not the first option. So that is going to be the key. AD having a big game, getting off to a good start. Um, 
Wow, was he spectacular in that in that Minnesota game in the first quarter? Nineteen points, if I remember correctly. So it's just going to take those type of efforts from one of the best players in the league, honestly, for the Pelicans to just stay afloat in a lot of games and or just go ahead and push for victories. Because missing DeMarcus, as we know, twenty six points is huge. They were never a deep team to begin with. You've you've had the bench who has been pretty much non existent in most games outside of Darius Miller's contributions. Uh, they just haven't contributed at all to the overall line. So, yeah, they're very dependent on their stars. And being down a star, AD's just going to really have to step up that much more each and every game here on out. And then, like you said, Preston, hope for Drew and Nikola Miritich, uh, you know, t- take care of the rest of the slack. Hey, Christian, I just got a notification that you're following me on Twitter. How about that? Yeah, I just did it. Congrats. <laughs> he likes you, Preston. <laughs> Before I let you go, Christian, I just want to get your take really quickly on Dell Demps. Obviously, Mickey's given him the benefit of the doubt and letting him deal that first-round pick, uh, sending out Ashik, which was dubbed by pretty pretty much everyone as a, a universally a, a win for the Pelicans, being able to offload that contract and get back a contributor of the Meritage Ilk uh, with another year at that $12.5 million option. But like I said, that, that does, uh, I don't know, uh, put put out into the universe that perhaps Dell Demps might be sticking around beyond this offseason? What's your take on that? Do you think he's done enough to secure his own future? Um, okay, two points. I think the Ashik point you just made is a good one. Um, from If you were on Twitter th- three months ago, I mean, every other tweet that re- was related to the Pelicans was like, Ashik's terrible, his contract's awful. Oh, how do they do this? How is he on the team? You know, and then you see the one night he's everybody's clapping the Smoothie King Center because he made a free throw and <laughs> he's also being paid $10 million for the season. So, I mean, now that he's gone and now that the contract is offloaded, I think I haven't seen a thing about Ashik. No one complains anymore, you know, so it's like now that he's gone, why complain? You know, so no one's given Dell the thanks there. But I mean, he he did what everybody was wanting him to do for so long since they signed that deal. And I think the next point is that, yeah, um, you know, this is, like you said, this is the year where they've got to make something happen. It's a results-based year. Uh, that's why you got to go out and get as many, you know, contributors as you can for the season and, and try and make it to the playoffs. I know making the playoffs may not be, you know, as fruitful as, some people think, especially if you make your seven or eight seed and even a six, really, I mean, you'll have some struggles there, but a seven or eight um, realistically could be first round and out. Um, so I don't know if that's enough, if that's what the Pelicans are looking for, you know, it can save some jobs. It can say, you know, that's, that's the goal is to, you know, get there and see what it can do. And so it's a results-based year and they got to try and do something now. And I think that's how Dell is acting. And that's, you know, what you're seeing on the floor now is that this team has to, wants to go to the playoffs now. And a lot of that has to do with Davis too. You know, he hasn't, he hasn't been there in a while and you can't just burn years of his prime and give it back to him. So um, we'll see, but they, they're acting for the now they're acting for today and, you know, for the next few months um, and instead of, you know, the super long term. So we'll see how it works out. And if the playoffs, you know, as a benchmark is what they, need or looking for that's going to you know, save some jobs and keep the team you know where it is now last question this one's from ali great article on the birdrights.com chronicling some of the other trades that the pelicans were negotiating at the time of the meritage deal uh one of them was with the hawks it was ashik and a first for bellinelli and Ilya sova the other one was ashik and a Jensa for two years of wesley matthews uh ashik and a first for jordan clarkson and then uh James Ennis, I think, just for a second-round pick, and then a Jensen, a second-round pick for the Lakers, Julius Randle. Uh, rank these trades in in terms of which one do you think could have been uh, more beneficial to the Pelicans than the Meritich deal? Uh, do you think the Pelicans got the best offer available, Ali? 
Hands down. Yes, they did. They were able to get rid of Ashik's contract, which everybody in the league knew was going to take a first-round pick. But they got a very good, productive player in return, a guy who uh, is just a list of accomplishments, you know, back when he was in Europe to uh, being a rookie to playing with the Bulls for four years. He's always been an above-average player, and I think there's more to him, honestly. The Bulls never seem to utilize him much. Uh, as, as you mentioned, he's, he's only been averaging 25 minutes a year, but you know what? I think that's his high. That's a career high for him. So I'm hoping that the Pelicans get a lot more out of him, and I do expect them to. Um, he's got the full game. So in, in reference to all the other trades, yes, this is by far and away the best one they could have gone because looking at the other ones, Marco Bellinari and Ursan Elisover, they, they're just rotation pieces. Uh, Wesley Matthews, he has not been the same since his Achilles injury. Uh, even though he's a great locker room presence, he's a tough guy on the wing that the Pelicans need. Um, again, do you want to be paying a guy like that? 17, 18 million, I believe is what he's making a year for the rest of his contract days. And then, of course, the Lakers, they, they've got some nice young talent, Jordan Clarkson and uh, Julius Randle. But again, you go with those guys. They're not the biggest needle movers, I think, as to where they're ready to help a team win now um, and be able to fit in. You know, you kind of need a vet, kind of a smart player kind of a guy that can play alongside AD in the system and Miritich by far and away seems like the best candidate. So I think it's an A plus move for Dell Dems for sure. Preston. Christian, thank you so much, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, a little more, more information that you needed. Uh, uh, check back either tomorrow uh, afternoon or Thursday. You guys, Kevin's going to rejoin us as well as D Scott Alexander, who's going to be making his first appearance. Of course, uh, if you have any questions, direct them at Preston Ellis, all of your concerns at Ali Cosell. Again, thank you so much to Christian Boutwell of The Advocate. Uh, great guy, smart guy, uh, a must-follow on Twitter, and, of course, find all of his material on The Advocate. Christian, is there anything you want to plug before we let you go? Nope. I think you did it all for me. You have it all down, so thanks. <laughs> <laughs> all right, nailed it. Uh, Ali, before I let you go, anything from you? No, no, I think we've just discussed everything. I'm just I'm dying to see if the Pelicans make another move. I'm not expecting it, but you know what? Del Demps does surprise with how he makes these – Small, itty-bitty, peripheral type of moves like a Quincy Pondex or Norris Cole. So I'm hoping he can attach himself to a big trade, be that third or fourth team, and bring in another useful piece. So we can write about and talk about and analyze it and say, hoorah. <laughs> All right, we've got 72 hours left, so make sure your eyes are on Twitter and at thebirdrights.com and the advocate at all times. We'll keep you guys updated. Of course, if you haven't already and you like what you're hearing, please rate, subscribe to us on iTunes today. You've been listening to the bird calls. Let's go, pals. You have been listening to The Bird Calls. Thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, do us one more favor. Go to iTunes, subscribe, and rate our podcast today. Don't miss Old Navy's Saturday Steal. This Saturday, all jeans are on sale for 50% off. Plus, get $3 kids' deals like graphic tees and tanks and $7 girls' dresses. Saturday only at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Validate 3 excludes in-store clearance. Select styles on kids' deals and girls' dresses. Your home is important. That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on condo insurance. Because home is more than just a place. Home is where you took minimalism too far because there's only one chair in your entire condo and your only entertainment is one card. Not even a deck of cards, but a single card. And all your guests have to share one plate and one fork, but you're convinced that less stuff means more freedom. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the overly minimalist broom closet you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on condo insurance. 
Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.